Our scripture lesson this morning, friends, comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and then 36 through 43. I invite you to hear these words from Matthew. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these weeds come from? The servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may root the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And jumping down to verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us this parable of the weeds in the field. And Jesus answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is in the world and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the son of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil who might be messing with our lights right now. <laughs> The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out the kingdom of heaven. The harvest is at the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. We will throw them in the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. If you are at all like me, friends, and you grew up around Christians who loved to preach about the end times, every time I read any of these scriptures that start to talk about burning things into fire or fiery end times or some things going over here or other things going over here, I start to feel a little panicky. These scriptures make me nervous. I grew up in a town that was largely Baptist, fundamentalist, Southern Baptist, and Pentecostal, and I was considered incredibly strange for being Methodist, but I wasn't quite as strange as the like two kids in my school that were Catholic. <laughs> Growing up around all of this rhetoric, this was not the type of rhetoric I heard in the church. The Methodist church I was in didn't preach about the end times, but being around so many other teenagers and young people who were talking about the end times all the time, I didn't necessarily believe they were right, but I often found myself worried, what if they are? More importantly, if the end times come, I wasn't necessarily concerned that I would find myself burning in hell, but that they would come at an inconvenient time to my life. As a teenager, I used to pray, God, please not yet. 
Jesus, do not come back now. I want to go to prom. (laughs) This is a real thing. I would ask Jesus to please wait on the rapture. Once, while having a medical procedure done and under the influence of medications, I began talking to um, the person who'd taken me to that medical procedure, very concerned that the rapture would happen mid-procedure because that would be very uncomfortable for Jesus to beam me up and me be like in a gown. (laughs) These scriptures sometimes make us feel a little icky. They make us uncomfortable. If we've been in traditions where any talk about the end times and fire just harms us. Last week, Heather read to you all the beginning of this set of passages out of Matthew. You read together the parable of the sower. In this parable, we hear about a sower who is pretty reckless with their seed. Someone who just throws seeds everywhere, on the path so that birds can eat it, who drops them on thorny ground so that seed is choked who drops it on sallow ground and drops it in good soil. When you looked at this passage last week, it seems like you focus not on what kind of soil you are, but on the fact that this sower is incredibly reckless with their seed, that it makes no sense that whether you are good soil or thorny soil, or soil that doesn't let seed take root, the sower in this parable still throws seed on you. Sometimes we focus on the soil in that scripture rather than the sower. That is what is before the scripture we read today, friends. I think it's important to remind us what the before is, what we're dealing with. And that is we are dealing with someone who's an incredibly bad farmer. I don't know if any of you grew up in a farming community. Shockingly, my community of mostly Baptist was also a farming community. Growing up in that community, you don't plant things like this. This isn't how it works. In fact, you're wasting your seed, you're wasting your money, you're wasting your time. But Jesus tells us, the sower, that God will plant God's seed on any kind of soil. And while it may seem wasteful, it's good news for us. Because it means that Jesus just throws around love and grace and forgiveness without hesitation. That Jesus just gives it away and lets what will grow, grow. It's helpful to refresh ourselves what Jesus says before this scripture because as we read today, it's just a continuation of it. Jesus follows this parable of the sower with his parable of the weeds. And this parable seems to elicit a different question than the one before it. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven and how it's like someone who sowed good seed in the field 
But the enemy comes in the night and plants weeds among the good grain. So when they both start to grow, you can't tell them apart. Upon their growing up, the household realizes somehow weeds have appeared among their grain and the head of the house instructs his workers, his slaves, not to pull the weeds out because they look so similar to the grain. The roots of the two have grown in together. They're intertwined and so in your, in your attempt to weed out the bad, you may also hurt the good. I think there's a sermon in itself right there. Instead, Jesus instructs them just to wait, to wait, to see how things will grow. And at the end, when everything is gathered up, they'll easily distinguish one from the other. Weeds could be thrown away and wheat can go into the barn and all will be well. There's a lot of different directions we could go with this story. But for those of you who have ever grown or planted anything, how many of you have been weeding and accidentally pulled out your own crop? Yeah, I used to regularly get scolded by my grandparents because as a child, I was regularly working in their garden and I thought it was a great deal. I'd work out in the sun in North Carolina summers and I'd get sunburnt because I am pale as all get out. And they would make me wear long pants so that things can't bite you and you have to wear tennis shoes and you know, the whole garden get up. And then I'd accidentally pull out a green bean stalk or something instead of weeds. And now I've harmed the garden. It's hard to tell the difference between good and bad. Sometimes they grow together, sometimes they look just like each other, and sometimes in our attempt to weed out things, we end up throwing away the very thing we want. At the core of this story is the reminder of how difficult it is to tell weed from wheat. They look exactly the same almost. And the problem is that they seem to grow up together entwined in each other. You can't just pull out the weeds. Even if we see what seems like evil choking out the good, we don't know what lies under the soil. And so Jesus says, just leave it be. Just let it be until the harvest comes. Sometimes what you think is actually a weed is a good plant. And what you thought is a good plant is a weed. They're not easily distinguished from each other. I think the part of this story we often don't pay attention to, friends, is the analogy. When we hear the scripture preached, oftentimes we're told that we are the weeds and the wheat of the field. If you've heard it preached before, maybe you've heard that. That is what we're talking about in this parable. The kingdom of God, God's people are the weeds and the wheat. 
And so the biggest problem in this story is that the people who are taking care of the field, the weeds and the wheat themselves, they're the ones who want to do the work of weeding each other out. This story never tells us that weeds and wheat have any idea how to know one another from each other. And that's the real problem here. Christ tells them to let it be because they don't know how to tell each other apart. Because they're trying to do a job that isn't theirs to do. If we want to find ourselves in this story, friends, we know we're not the head of the house. So God's people must be the crops in the field. For most of us, we perhaps want to think of ourselves as wheat, right? Most people are going, I'm probably a really good piece of wheat. I'm like the best piece of wheat that would make the tastiest sourdough bread. I don't know how to make that analogy. (laughs) And maybe some of us know there's weeds tangled up in our roots. Maybe some of us know wheat when we see it. And maybe some of us think we know weeds when we see them. The problem is, Jesus never assigned us that task. In this story, we're tempted to look around and judge and decide what's evil and who is evil. Who needs to be uprooted from this garden? But friends, that's not our job. We're plants, not field workers. We're just weed or wheat, not the householder. The challenging part of this story, I think, is that it reminds us how little we actually know. While the world is filled with evil and weeds may choke us, while we might be kind of weedy ourselves, it's not the job of the wheat or the weeds to clear the fields or judge the harvest. It's just their job to grow well. And friends, I hope that's a relief to you. Sometimes I wonder how people who spend so much time trying to discern weed from wheat aren't constantly exhausted. How the folks who I grew up around who just constantly preach fire and brimstone and fear who used to walk past me as I stood in my backyard walking my pet bunny on his leash, that's a real thing, and try to save me from burning in hell while a nine-year-old me stood there confused. Because when he asked me when I was saved by Jesus, I was like, I thought we all did that at the same time, like 2,000 years ago. I wonder how those people feel so much pressure when they think their salvation hinges upon knowing weed from weeds. When in truth, it's just their job to grow themselves. I think it's a relief to know 
that our job is to just let wheat and weed be who they are and sort themselves out in the end. We have no ability to tell each other apart accurately. In fact, I'm sure some of us have looked at people in our lives and thought, my God, you are the weediest weed I have ever met in my life. That used to happen to me, and the place it happened more often than anywhere was divinity school. It's real. I, as a divinity school student, would sit in class and I'd look around and go, I don't understand how you are called by Jesus. And then I know those people were looking at me going, I don't understand how you are called by Jesus. And the problem with that, friends, is we were all a bunch of people in school to be pastors thinking we're the head of the house when we're just weeds and wheat. We have no ability to tell one from the other. We aren't qualified. We aren't made for that work. This story, friends, is a story about judgment like the workers in the field, like the weeds and the wheat themselves, we may think it's our job to clean ourselves up, to kick each other out, to judge who gets to flourish and grow in the kingdom next to us, but it's not. In this parable, Jesus says, let it be. Leave it alone. Just grow as well as you can. Our job, friends, is to deepen our roots, to be mindful of where we might feel ourselves getting tangled up, to pay attention to the sun when it shines upon us, to feel the goodness of life-giving water when it falls like rain. This parable does promise that the kingdom of heaven will have a harvest day, that the householder will sort everything out in the end, and some of us will end up one place and other people will end up in another. And I'm not fully convinced the large majority of us won't find ourselves in a barn wondering how the heck all these other people also got here. <laughs> At this time, friends, I want to invite you to take a moment to look at your own heart and to wonder, when have I tried to be the householder or the field worker in this story rather than just being the best wheat I can? Sometimes parables, scripture convicts us I myself find myself falling into this trap all the time. When people who are different than me and have very different theologies and are convinced I am weed, I also label as weed too. I have to check myself because perhaps there is goodness that will grow from them that I cannot see. Perhaps there is growth and work being done by God that I know nothing about. Maybe transformation is coming. Who have you decided is a weed 
that should be excluded from the fellowship of Christ's church? Who have you decided is evil and needs to be uprooted and kicked out of the garden? Have you declared yourself capable of doing the work of the sower? And friend, as you've been trying to do the work that is not yours, how have you neglected yourself and your growth? Friends, this story isn't so scary. When we realize it's not the job of the people who call us weeds to sort us out in the end, and it's not our job to sort out other people. When we just let it be and realize we're all thrown into this garden together by the most recklessly loving, good gardener, by this gardener who makes no sense and brings forth a better crop than we have ever known possible. Thanks be to God, friends.